So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Common Sea Inspirations production, being produced here in our Common Sea studio here in Ada. And this, the November, it's the 8th of November, November, the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good, can't complain, no. This being our second Sunday in November that we're broadcasting here in West Demi 102. And I was just looking there the other day. We've been on the go now for about 12 years, just about 12 years in our doing sacred space. So I hope listeners are still staying with us and haven't tuned out completely. But I believe they are because they are still listening to us but they could, because they contact us during the week and tell us how much they enjoy the programme. And thank you indeed for that. And please keep your prayers coming. We do, of course, always welcome our listeners who are housebound, lonely or struggling in some way, especially these days because of COVID-19, and our listeners who support us each each week in prayer. And of course, really, I'd, I'd suggest that we all call ourselves a family these days, so a family of prayer, keeping in mind all those people who join us on the radio each Sunday morning and each Sunday evening. Of course, West Limit 102, uh, 102 FM, uh, do broadcast Sacred Space at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning and 11 p.m. Sunday night. So the podcasts of Sacred Space 102 FM are just some of the Common Sea Inspirations podcasts available for playback and download on Common Sea Inspirations podcast page. You can get us there by just Googling Common Sea Inspirations. As well as that, you can also get us by podcasts through Spotify, iTunes, Google Past, Google Podcasts, or other platforms. You can also contact us by email, come and see inspirations at gmail.com, or you can text us on 087-6088-667. Now, I did mention there at about 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Of course, that um, also includes us, our broadcasting mass from Abbeyfield Parish in West Limerick, and then we continue on with a few reflections and some music after that. 11pm, of course, is our normal Sacred Space programme. But each week, we do include on the programme uh, Saints for the Week. And this is very popular by some of our some of our listeners. One or two of them have contacted me, those especially who listen to us at 11pm on Sunday night. Um, wondering where Shane gets all this information from, uh, and they really enjoy it. So Shane, what are you going to surprise them with this week? Oh, I don't know about surprising anyone this week, but anyway, we'll see how we go. So... As you said, John, we're in the 32nd week in ordinary time. Hard to believe there's only another two Sundays to Christ the King. Uh, so those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four. Um, now today, actually being the 8th of November, is Prisoners Sunday. So that's where we pray for prisoners and their families. Um, so in terms of celestial guides for the coming week, well, let's come with a couple of odd ones. So Monday, actually, is actually... The Feast of the Dedication of the Latin Basilica. The Feast of the Dedication of the Latin Basilica. Now, why are we marking the dedication of John Latin in Rome? Because the Basilica of St. John Latin, or the Basilica of the Holy Saviour, St. John the Baptist, and St. John the Evangelist, to give it its proper title, is actually the cathedral of the city of Rome. It is the cathedral of the Bishop of Rome, i.e. the Pope. Obviously, of course, we very much associate St. Peter's with the Pope, but actually the Cathedral of the City of Rome is John Lateran. The head and mother church of all churches in the world is how it's referred to. So we we celebrate its dedication as a basilica on the 9th of November. Um, and it is uh, Saint, dedicated under St. John the Divine, St. John the Apostle and St. John the Baptist. 
and but its prime premier title is dedicated to the Holy Saviour. Tuesday, the 10th of November, is the feast day of St. Leo the Great. Now, Leo is one of these popes that has the title the Great. He's up there with Gregory. He died in 461. Now, he's famous for quite a lot of things, but the pr primary thing that Leo is remembered from, from a historical point of view, is his contribution to the Council of Chalcedon in 451. Now, the Council of Chalcedon was a big council of the church. All the bishops of the world were gathered together. And they were discussing the, who was Jesus. And they're looking at his two natures, the, his, his human and divine nature. And the contribution of Leo is acknowledged. It's called the Tome, the tome of St. Leo, uh, where he brought together this, 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 this teaching, which was ratified at the Council of Chalcedon, which was called the Hypostatic Union, so that Jesus was both true God and true man. That's Leo the Great. Then on Wednesday, the 11th of November, we have the feast day of St. Martin of Tours, a very popular saint in some neck of the woods. And uh, we have to say a happy feast day to uh, our, the friend of the program, uh, Brother Martin Brown from Glenstall, whose feast day it is today. Uh, Martin, of course, Martin of Tours is a bishop of Tours, an, an, apostle, an apostle of rural Gaul, he's called, founder of monasteries, patron of France, soldiers, beggars, and innkeepers, a former Roman soldier who left the military, um, very much associated with that famous image of him cutting his uh, cloak in two to give it to a beggar. So his feast is celebrated on the 11th of November. Then he, then on Thursday, the 12th of November, we have the feast day of St. Jehoshaphat. Now, this gentleman is a, as far as I can remember, he is a Ukrainian saint, yes. But to be, to be precise, he's Ruthenian. And he, um, which was a church that unified with Rome in 1595. Um, he was a man, he entered religious life uh, under the Ukrainian order of St. Basil. And this, he was a famous preacher, worked for unity among the faithful between uh, the Orthodox and uh, Roman Catholics. Uh, he attended the Diet of Warsaw in 1620. And there was a whole disagreement about this reunification with the, with the Pope and um, then in he, he, he was he, he was martyred for the faith in 1623 um, and he was martyred he was killed by a mob and it shocked both his death shocked both sides of the dispute about the reunification and gave a kind of a bit of cooling off period to both that's your whole event so we particularly remember him to, uh, this week, and in particular we remember the churches in the Ukraine, particularly at this difficult time. Friday the 13th, looking for some and looking for others, it is the feast day, excuse me, it is the feast day of an American saint, St. Francis Xavier Cambrini. She's a, an American saint, she's the first native-born person that was canonized as a saint. As far as I know, she's also the first Catholic saint who, to whom a statue has been erected in New York City, as far as I'm aware. Uh, she received a convent education. She was one of 13 children. She tried to join the order, um, but, they, they, but her, her health prevented her. Uh, she moved to Italy for six years, and then she took religious vows in 1877, and she founded the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart to care for children in schools and hospitals and Pope Leo XIII sent her back to the US to carry on the mission and they looked after particularly Italian migrants in New York 
and the famous for founding a whole lot of schools, hospitals, and orphanages. That's Francis Caprini, Saviour Francis Saviour Caprini. And then finally, John, on the 14th of November, we have the feast day of St. Lawrence of Toul. Lawrence of Toul, famous saint, very much associated with Glendalough and Dublin, and very much associated with Christ Church Cathedral in Dublin, or when Christ Church became an Anglican cathedral. Uh, early Irish saint, one of the ones that's officially beat, uh, canonized by the church, actually. Um, uh, born in... I've lost my sheet. He was born in uh, uh, 1138, and um, he very much involved with politics in around Dublin at that time. He was a monk at Glendalough, appointed to the Archbishop of Dublin, very much involved with administration and clerical reform of the Diocese of Dublin. He... In 1171, he travelled to Canterbury uh, in England on diocesan business, and he uh, was involved very much with negotiating peace with the English king at the time. Known for a man to be live a very austere life, negotiated the 1175 Treaty of Winter, which gave the king, Henry II of England, a little degree of autonomy over the pale, as we'd call it. He attended the General Lateral Council in Rome in 1179 and was appointed papal legate. But he died while traveling with King Henry II. Now, the interesting thing about Lawrence, or sorry, yes, Lawrence O'Toole, is the fact that he was the first native Irish person to be appointed Archbishop of Dublin. Uh, he died actually in France at a place called Eau, and he, the, his tomb is predominantly there. It's in Diocese of Rouen in Normandy in France. Now, people might remember a couple of years ago, the interesting thing about Lawrence O'Toole was the relic of his heart was kept at Christchurch Cathedral, and it was stolen, if you might remember that. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it was ever recovered, but uh, it, you know, so it's very much associated with Christchurch in Dublin. So that's what we have, John, in terms of our celestial guides this week. Shane, thank you very much, Nate, for sharing those with us. So now with this part of the programme is a part where we usually pray together the spiritual communion prayer, especially for nearly all of us these days who can't receive Jesus sacramentally in Holy Communion at Mass. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually unto my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Just before we go for our um, piece of music, just two things. I just want to remind people again that that uh, the the recitation of the rosary is on each day on West Limit 102 in uh, Sacred Space Special, uh, 11 a.m., uh, with Dana and Father Kevin Scannon. So that's Monday to Friday after the 11 a.m. news. And uh, before we go, as I said, for our piece of music, we would just want to, I would just want to remind our listeners again that, say with us in part two, where we're joined by Martina Lahan Sheehan, who shares with us um, all about her book, her upcoming publication of her book, Trinus for the Soul. But before that, we'll go for our first bit of music, and this is by Matt Maher, and this is entitled Because He Lives. So join us again in part two. Oh 
Welcome back to part two of Sacred Space 102, a Common Sea production, a Common Sea Inspirations production here for West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose, and I'm delighted to have you with us on the program this morning as we are here on the 8th of November. And as we said at the first part of the program, God hasn't the winter come in very quick. So on this morning's program, we're delighted to welcome back, uh, and John and myself are going to have a chat now with our next guest, and it's Martina, excuse me, Martina Lahan Sheehan. Good morning, Martina. Good morning. Good morning, Shane. How are you? I'm not too bad at all, not too bad. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's great to be back, actually. Yeah. Now, so, John, when was Martina with us previously? Oh, now there's a question. Was it, were you with us last, last Advent, Martina? No, I can actually tell you. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was Pentecost, so it was me. This year. Ah, this year, yes. Yes, yes. 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 Well, but I would have been, but you are right, I was with you last Advent, all I right. Think yeah. The only comment I can make to that, um, Martin, is age. It catches up on me from time to time. <laughs> but anyway. And I thought I had made such an impression on you. <laughs> you did, don't worry, that's why you're running in. Okay, so, so the reason why we've invited Martina to come back on again, it's because... Um, She's actually wrote, wrote, wrote a book some time back, actually. She'll explain that later on. Uh, but because of the pandemic and all these sort of strange times we're living in, um, it's only about to be launched. 
So maybe the first thing we can do, I mean, Martina, maybe as people might know this particular stage, she's an accredited psychotherapist, spiritual director and author. She regularly in, she's regularly invited to facilitate retreats, workshops, both national and international. She's already published four books, Seen Anew, Awakening to Life's Lessons, Whispers in the Stillness, and Waiting in Mindful Hope and Surprised by Fire. But specifically, you're going to chat to us out about The Trellis of the Soul, this book. Tell us about it, please. Okay. Well, you you correctly said, you know, that it was written earlier in the year, uh, very early in the year, before we knew anything about um, COVID or lockdown. And the real origins of it were, um, I had uh, spent many years as director of a retreat centre in about 18 years. And then I said, it, I felt kind of the prompting of the spirit that my time was up there. Um, and I was looking forward to all this free time to see what would emerge. And suddenly I realized that free time on its own isn't, in fact, life-giving, that it needs certain structures to, to every day. And this came forcibly uh, to life one day when a gardener came to look at our garden. We were asking him for some advice. And he looked at a drooping rose and he said, uh, you know, that rose, he said, it needs a bigger pot. He said, and more importantly, it needs a trellis. And I never liked the idea of a trellis. I sort of felt, oh, a trellis would pin down the rose. I wanted it to grow wild and free. And actually, uh, the bigger pot did work, but the rose started to droop and fall all over the place. So I took his advice and I, uh, Pat, built a trellis. And soon enough, the rose started to grow beautifully in the direction of the light and in the direction that it was meant to grow. So I recognized that my resistance to the trellis was because I thought it would stop the freedom of the direction of the growth, where in fact it supported it. So I was thinking about that then, and I was saying, well, here I am, finished my role in uh, the retreat center. I have some free time, um, and actually, I need a trellis myself. I need a support structure that will help me to grow in the direction of the light, which we call God, and uh, will help me to grow in the direction of the dream of God within me and within all of us. So I started to ponder and reflect on what would be a trellis for the soul. Um, and I came up with certain practices and I kept writing and writing and writing them. And then I invited a group and I did a listening process with them around what they sensed and felt would be soul strengthening practices. And I continued to discern and I started writing and um, I discovered that a book was evolving. But of course, soon then COVID-19 hit and um, no question of publishing a book at that stage. Uh, but what I did notice was, as, as you mentioned earlier, I work in counseling and in spiritual direction. And most of that work then, of course, was via Zoom and phone. And my clients were actually saying the same thing as I had said, that with this uh, free time during lockdown, um, they discovered that they needed structures in their day 
are otherwise their well-being got affected, their mind got affected, their spirit and spirituality got affected. So they too started to create a trellis. And then I ran a, a program online alongside Pat, my husband, and uh, lots and lots of people signed up for it. And it sort of became an everyday conversation about I'm creating my trellis. <laughs> um, and then I sent it on to the publisher again, and they said, let's go with this for the uh, autumn winter. So it's time is now, and it has never been more relevant, much more relevant, in fact. So I suppose that was the providence of God, much more relevant than when it was conceived early in the year, because it's all about uh, really how the soul needs strengthening practices when things fall apart. And for most of us, a lot of things have fallen apart in 2020. And a lot of the things we thought were permanent have, in fact, dismantled. So we, we need structures that support and strengthen and nourish our well-being and our spirituality and our prayer life. And, you know, we're sort of in what's called a liminal space, in-between space, where many people actually don't want to go back to the old normal this old normal where we were all rushing and rushing so much that we missed the miracles around us. And that was one thing that COVID showed us um, in the early lockdown of the summer. People really began to notice the blessings of God around them, despite how difficult life was. And in nature and in community, um, started to notice the things that really mattered. And lots of people said, I don't want to go back to the old normal, to a, a way of living, of breaking speed limits in how we live every day in a throwaway culture. And so people want to navigate a different rhythm, a different way. And so I think it's very, very relevant because what I then discovered was that the idea of a trellis, in fact, parallels exactly what in monastic life is called um, a rule of life. And St. Benedict particularly was known for this rule of life where we place what matters at the center. So the trellis for the soul is like a rule of life for ordinary people, you and I, for all of us, as we navigate some kind of a new normal where there is a, a healthier rhythm in our lives where we're directed by soul and by faith rather than directed by fear. So um, I think a trellis for the soul is going to be very exciting for, for many people as we um, journey through this liminal space, this in-between time. Um, and there are lots of themes in it like uh, cultivating stillness, cultivating well-being, practices of prayer, care of creation, um, the importance of community and people will be invited to create their own trellis um, through the book and all royalties of the book are going to Focus Ireland and I think Focus Ireland is a worthy charity at any time of year but particularly coming up to Christmas and the book isn't actually released yet it won't be released in fact until the 1st of December but we do have a lovely webinar book launch on the 17th of November with very exciting guests coming 
like um, Patrick Hederman and Monk from Glinstall, well known. Sister Sten, Sister Stanislaus Kennedy, again a well known guest, Mary Kennedy, and so on. And um, people can come on that, and it's conversation and reflection and poetry and music and so on. Uh, and they can pre order the book. And all royalties will go to, to Focus Ireland, which is an amazing charity. So that's what I've been about <laughs> during lockdown. And um, excited now, I think, about where it's going to where this book is going to go and hopefully how it's going to help us create um, a different rhythm in our lives. To, to uh, read in the book myself, because um, just listening to some of your seminar, your webinars over the last few few months have been certainly food for the soul and as you would say trellis for the soul something that we need maybe the Holy Spirit obviously had something in, in mind when the book launch was delayed just to the appropriate time yeah. perfect I thought Martina if I can if I can just ask I suppose yes. one of the things that struck me there was um, you, you you know you, in particular you mentioned obviously St. Benedict and of course um, the rule of St. Benedict very much comes to mind yes. But obviously, you know, the book is drawing on what's called the mystical tradition of the church. And of and I was just wondering, was there any other particular um, saints who you would have taken inspiration from in, in relation to drawing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I suppose I drew a lot from the desert Celtic tradition. Mm. And I went specifically there because, in fact, you know how everybody is into sort of looking to the east for all sorts of practices for meditation and things nowadays and not recognizing that it's all in our Christian mystical tradition. So mm -hmm. I went right back to the desert, uh, the desert fathers and mothers of the third and fourth century and drew wisdom from them because they actually had it all in terms of cultivating um, a rhythm of life and a rule of life, stillness. And of course, when we hear the word rule, some people shut down and they think of rules and regulations. But actually, a rule in the context of a trellis is about supporting freedom, true mm. freedom, supporting life. So I've drawn a lot from the desert and the Celtic traditions. And, and I've sort of put a psychological um, dimension into it because we're in a very psychological era. And so looking at some new discoveries and how um, all our Christian mystical tradition, in fact, really stands up for really stands up to what is good mental health as well. So that's why I've drawn particularly from the desert. But I have looked a little bit at Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross and so on, because they're in our Christian mystical uh, tradition as well. But it's very much a contemporary approach, accessible to um, everyday life, I think. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much indeed, Martina. Um, you just mentioned our, web our webinar there. Is that open to anybody who'd like to sign up? It is up? indeed, yeah. Um, it's on on the 17th of November. And as I said, Sister Stan and Glyn Stahl Monks and mm. Mary Kennedy and so on. It is indeed, yeah. It might get very full up, mind you. But if people register, I think they can get the recorded video anyway, if it is full up. But it, it might not be, you know. And but it will be a lovely evening. And um, that's part of the, uh, the launching of the book as well. That's lovely to hear. Now, just before we leave you go, there's something else that you also feed quite a few of us each week, yourself and Pat, and that's Sabbath space. T tell us about that. I love the phrase uh, feed 
Thank you, John, because that was really the purpose of we doing Sabbath space. Um, Sabbath has become very important in uh, living with this kind of uh, new contemplative rhythm. And Sabbath was getting squeezed out of our culture. So we decided, Pat and myself, to really reclaim Sabbath. Firstly, reclaim it ourselves, but also to share something that would nourish other people every Sunday. And we have been doing it for the past four years. And we send out, it's a free resource, there's no charge. We send out a, a reflection every Sunday morning uh, with some thoughts and reflections and maybe an image. And for the month of November, for example, now we are really focusing on tips for grieving with loss, for dealing with loss and for drawing on the blessing and strength of our of our deceased and our ancestors and using poetry and music and and helpful tips to, to you know, help us all along on the on the journey of dealing with grief. So we do different themes. Then we look at Advent for the month of December um, and we do it right through the year, a little reflection every Sunday morning. And anybody that wants to sign up for that can be on that list. It, it, there's now about 700 people <laughs> after joining it. So it's quite it's quite a big uh, list, but it's it's, a, it's lovely to be connected. And they just get it via an email. It's not on Zoom or anything like that. But sometimes we do put on videos uh, as part of those reflections. And anybody can put in their name for them. Sign up for that, Martina. Yeah, so I'll call out the email because I'm not a bit technological. Pat looks after all that. So the, the email that's best to get your name on that list is um, Patrick, that's P-A-T-R-I-C-K, Sheehan, S-H-W-E-H-A-N, 1960, that's giving away his age, at gmail.com. So I'll call it out again. Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, S-H-W-E-H-A-N, Sheehan, 1960, at gmail.com. But we also have a website, and if they went on the website, there's a place there that you can sign up for the Sabbath space. So the website is RUA, www, obviously, but RUA, R-U-A-H-R-E-S-T, RUARest.com. RUARest.com. And if you go into the website... Um, and there are some reflections on the website as well, actually. You can put in your name to get the free reflection. So it's ruarest.com. Well done, Martina. Thanks a lot for coming down again. And, and, and Pleasure. To use my expression again, feeding us. Uh, now, we usually try to feed, uh, to, feed to finish off a section uh, of our program here with a piece of music. And there was a nice one, actually, that, that um, Pat had on last week's Sabbath Space Flying to where you are, I think it's called, is it? Oh, yes, yes, indeed, yes. So we might go yes, out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pat kind of creates a lot of um, images and music and films and things to go with the reflections. And just this one, he this week, you know, this was one of them, and he produced this, or sang this last week. Um, it's quite poignant, obviously, uh, you know, because it is about remembering those we have loved and lost. And I always suggest people just to close their eyes and listen to the words. It's I find it very healing myself. I actually, you know, think of people who have died, and to just visualize, as the Celtic Christians tell us, that they are all around us, and those that we have that have crossed the veil to the other side, and that they are all around us, particularly 
in this month of November, which is called the thinning of the veil, the, the time of remembering them. And maybe when people are listening to the words of, and the music of the song, maybe to close your eyes and make it a prayer and to visualize yourself remembering and being strengthened again by those that you are remembering at this time who you have loved and lost. And to let the words almost be a prayer directed to them. Martina, thanks a lot for that. Just before we go, remind us again the name of the book and the, and the date of the launch. Okay, so the name of the book is called Trellis for the Soul, mm -hmm. and the subtitle of it is A Vision of Hope for Challenging Times. Trellis for the Soul, A Vision Martina, of Hope. Martina, who's, who's publishing that? Yes, it's Veritas Publications. Okay. Now, I don't think they have it up on their website just yet. They told me that. It is actually. I'm, I'm is literally it? just looking at this. Very good, very good, very That's good. That's why he, you're, ahead, you're ahead of me. That's why he's paid the big money, uh, Martina. Oh, please, okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'm still in for my first check for arrival. Uh, <laughs> anyway, listen, thanks a lot well, for coming I, on. Thank you. A pleasure and, as always. And... and uh, uh, there's something coming up within the next few weeks and we, we might give you a shout again you might be able to give us a little bit of a re reflection but until then thanks a lot yes, best of luck yes. with the book and the first of December we'll, we'll keep you. it happening God bless now bye, thank Martina. you and God bless you bye and bye. thank you bye for now bye 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 bye, bye, -bye. who can say for certain Maybe you're still here I feel you all around me Your memory is so clear Deep in the stillness I can hear you speak You're still an can it be that you are mine forever love and you're watching over me from up above fly me up to distant stars I wish upon tonight to see you smile if only for a while to know you're there a breath away is not far to where you are Are you gently sleeping Here inside my dreams And isn't fate believing All power can't be seen as my heart holds you Just one beat away 
I cherish all you gave me every day Cause you are mine Forever love Watching me From up above Fly me up to where you are Beneath the distant star I wish upon tonight To see you smile If only for a while To know you're there Our breath away's not far To where you Welcome back again to the third part of Second Space, 102FM, being produced in our Common Sea studio here in Ada. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, we want to thank Martina Lahan-Shane for joining us to share about her upcoming book, Trellis for the Soul. So now we come to the part of the programme where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. We approach this word reverently, humbly, and attentively. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So, as we said at the top of the programme, this is the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. So the Gospel we're going to pray today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 1 to 13. Jesus told this parable to his disciples. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were sensible. The foolish ones did take their lamps, but they brought no oil. Whereas the sensible ones took flasks of oil as well as their lamps. The bridegroom was late and they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight there was a cry. The bridegroom is here. Go out and meet him. At this all those bridesmaids woke up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the sensible ones, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But they replied, There may not be enough for us and for you. You better go to those who sell it and buy some for yourselves. 
they had gone off to buy it when the bridegroom arrived. Those who were already those who were ready went in with him to the wedding hall, and the door was closed. The other bridesmaids arrived later. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you solemnly, I do not know you. So stay awake, because you don't know either the day or the hour. So that's the Gospel for today, uh, from the Gospel of Matthew. Shane, you want to share something with us, please? Yeah, um, I suppose the thing to observe is that with these Gospels over the next couple of weeks, we are drawing towards the end of the liturgical year. And as we draw towards the end of the liturgical year, the Church puts before us, I suppose, accounts from the Gospels um, that give pause for reflection in terms of thinking about, I suppose, in particular, our relationship with God, and also, I suppose, the fact that it's kind of a an ends time, if you like. You know, it's a period of time where we're reflecting on endings and new beginnings and so on and so forth, which obviously prompts consideration of... Um, ultimately our own ending, if you like, in, in many respects. The gospel we have before us today, of course, is what's known as the, the Jewish and wise uh, bridesmaids. And it's an interesting one, of course. It very much speaks to the cultural um, celebrations very much associated with weddings. Um, I, 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 I have to say I, I, can, I can testify, if you like, to the efforts and the rounds that people in that part of the world, even to today, still make with weddings. They have you know, huge events, uh, massive celebrations, very, very much kind of your, you know, your normal modern Irish wedding on steroids. To extent. Um, so it's very much an important focus of, of, of the communities that are involved. But I suppose for us to remember and look at this, I suppose, um, this, this this Sunday's gospel is, I suppose, very much to see again um, what it calls us to do. In the, I suppose if we, if we put ourselves into the gospel and I suppose if it encourages us to do a little bit of reflection, um, you know, particularly winter can do that. You know, it gives time for thinking about things because there isn't a whole lot else that we can do. Um, you know, it's also a case of, I suppose, looking at it from, from different perspectives. So the first thing that's, that struck me, John, was the idea of preparation and the idea that you had people that, you know, were called to be prepared. Very much, of course, echoing a theme we will hear um, in Advent as we, we head into Advent at the end of the month, prepare the way of the Lord. And I suppose it's one of the things, you know, that 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 would that would be that would be encouraged of people is that they are prepared. And preparation, of course, very much revolves around, I suppose, us being aware of the of our call to follow Christ. That also in terms, of, you know, attendance for sacraments, confession in particular, um, you know, a commitment to 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 being aware of Jesus's call in our lives and the commitment to doing and making space for the divine in our lives, but also reaching out and living out the gospel command of love of God and love of neighbor. They go kind of hand in hand. And as we said before on this program, to be Christian is to be in communion and in community. Um, I suppose it gives us an opportunity, I suppose, if you like, to very much 
think and reflect, you know, if we were there, which one, which set of bridesmaids would we be? Are we the ones that are prepared? Are we thinking about it? Are we conscious of it? If you want to use the modern jargon, are we mindful about it? Um, you know, about our, our relationship with God and with others and kind of prepared for us. One thing that struck me about it, of course, and it's a point actually that Father Frank made in his lecture divina this to the group Castle West, is the fact that, you know, the the there are some things that can't be left to the last minute. And I suppose the point there in this regard is that, you know, you can't you can't leave your relationship with God either until the last minute. Now there's a lot to be said for a deathbed conversion, John. <laughs> Holy Mother Church never closes the door. And always reminds us that God is God of mercy. But you know, it's it's always good to remember ourselves that, that like any relationship we maintain with a friend, and the ultimate friend, of course, in this scenario being God, it you know, relationship requires work and effort on both sides. The other thing, of course, that strikes me about it is the whole symbolism of the lamps. And that whole symbolism that links in very much to this time in the year, uh, November and the darkness of the winter evenings, and Kind of our preparation for the winter, that stocking up on fuel or whatever, candles in the house, or all the rest of it, and all the things that go together. But I suppose the question again comes back to and the idea that we are ready to go out to meet the bridegroom. Of course, the great symbolism of the gospel, very much picked up again and again, is the church as the bride and the Christ as its bridegroom. So, very much dipping into that huge symbolism of Christ. As, and we're being called to go out to greet him. Um, I suppose it links in as very much as well as I said to the, to the top of the reflection in terms of the fact that it is the drawing end of the liturgical year. And I suppose the reminder to us again that sometime, either in uh, sometime in our lives, Christ will come again for us. Uh, and and asking ourselves, are we prepared? Are we ready? Um, have we done our bit? Will he? We be able to say, will, or will someone say to us, "I do not know who you are"? Um, mm. You know, so that that is the question. Um, it's an interesting one as well, I suppose. One of the things that struck me was that idea of borrowing the oil, and Father Frank mentioned it again in his his reflection that you know we cannot borrow a relationship with Christ from others, and it's very much something that each of us has to work on uh, ourselves. Uh, in terms of being able to have that that communication, that relationship, that dynamic with the divine in our lives that we all need to be conscious of. So as we approach, I suppose this this particular um, this particular Sunday's gospel, John. I suppose what we would say is posing ourselves the questions of where are we in the gospel? Which one of the bridesmaids are we? Asking ourselves, are we prepared? the return of the bridegroom. We do not know the hour, we do not know the day is the expression that's often said. That's the challenge that's always put before us and asking ourselves, are we prepared? Are we ready? Shane, thank you for so much for that, for, for sharing those few thoughts with us. Yeah, Father Frank um, does um, really help us out each week, those of us who are part of the lecture to be in a group, because he mails out to us his thoughts and uh, those within the group I know benefit and we again thank Father Frank for doing that Shane just just shared one or two thoughts there that Father Frank said I get some of my reflections sometimes it helps me to reflect on the gospel from this guy Father Sylvester of Flynn and this particular week 
This is what he shares, just part of it, he says. There was not enough oil to share, because the story is really about a light that cannot be borrowed. There are some tasks you have to do yourself. Believing, hoping, loving. Nobody can do for you your believing, or your hoping, or your loving. Faith, hope and charity, the three theological gifts, are flames in the candle we receive at baptism. We must protect those flames from extinction and provide the oil of prayer, study, action, to keep them burning more brightly. The importance there of use, uh, I like that idea of using the oil of prayer to help us. The flame of faith helps us to see everything in the light of God's love. The flame of hope gives us unsinkable confidence in God's goodness and support and protection. The flame of charity enlivens our loving with divine understanding and compassion. So those few little words just spoke to me there. Just the idea of the flame again and the flame of, of faith, the flame of hope and the flame of charity. And all of those being provided by the Isle of Prayer. And I suppose our prayer this week should be that we mightn't be like... Um, like the bridesmaids maybe in today's gospel who maybe are not being prepared this is the time of year when we're asked to prepare ourselves we don't know the time or the hour ourselves we, we all know people who suddenly have been taken from us um, but this gospel to me anyway is another reminder that it's not that hard really I mean, I mean if we just ask the Lord to stay with us in prayer just to help us to, to stay focused in to when he might come to call us to do call us to come and join him for eternity some people might want to talk about that but i think it's important to talk about it now we just almost come to the end of our program this morning but i just want to do a little bit of preparation here shane for next week's program because uh, the pope pope francis um as other popes every now and again bring out encyclicals and next week we got a one of our friends coming on to join us again, Father Eamon Conway. He's going to break open another a new encyclical. Can you just lead us into that just for a few seconds, a few minutes? Yeah, so Pope Francis has produced a new encyclical. It's called Fratelli Tutti, All Brothers and Sisters. Uh, it was published in October. It's a fairly hefty document, to say the least, and uh, not the easiest thing in the world to plow through. So myself and Father Eamon, we're going to kind of kind of give a quick look through next week, give a skim through, um, highlight some of the things involved, and just to bring it to people's awareness of what's going to be, uh, what's involved in the new in the new encyclical. And I think that's so important because from time to time, I know the Pope and indeed the bishops bring out um, bring out documents or maybe their own their own thoughts to help us and strengthen and feel our faith. And sometimes we don't get to we don't get to listen to further. Father Eamon's been on the programme a number of times and Shane uh, uh, has um, always had this idea about bringing on Father Eamon to have a chat with Shane and to bring to, to break it down so as we can get the whole idea about what the Pope is really trying to tell us. So that's our next week. Pass it on to your friends, please. Uh, something not to be missed. So now it's time for us to go for our final piece of music. And this morning we'll go out with a piece of music from our good friends, the Emmanuel community. And this one is entitled, The Lord is My Light. So from Shane and myself, thank you again for joining us, and please join us again next week. Bye. Bye.